Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Thanks so much for joining us this weekend for this kickoff weekend of Daring Face. So last week, uh, I shared with you the heart behind this whole thing, why we're doing it, the purpose behind it, the goal of it. And uh, this weekend, we are starting in and going for it. Last week on Sunday, we ran out of study guides, uh, but we got more in this week. So if you need a study guide, please pick one up uh, for that and uh, connect with your small group. A couple of things in your study guide. One is our weekly memory verses. Another one is a, a commitment card. And uh, next week, we'll bring these commitment cards back and, uh, and show that we're all in with that. So please bring this back with you next week. Um, so grateful, so grateful. Just finished meeting with my small group and so grateful for our small group ministry and everything that's going to happen in there in the coming days. Uh, if you need a small group, uh, so this is a great week to join. Uh, so look on our small group list. Uh, you can start a small group with a couple of other people. We'll show you how to do that, give you a couple study guides, uh, show you how to start a group and go through this study. Uh, another option would be to come on Tuesday nights. We're doing an on-campus small group at 7 o'clock in the worship center. So uh, this content that you wouldn't get anywhere else, uh, you could come on Tuesday nights and, and hear it there. We're excited for that. Wednesday nights, uh, our teens are meeting uh, in here as well uh, for their uh, faith study and then you saw Rockbrook for Kids is in on this too so we're all in for this uh, you know the greatest tragedy in life is not death it is a wasted life and as your pastor I am committed I, I think about this all the time pray for you all the time how can we uh, see our God-given potential, all that God wants you to be. God wants you to finish well in life. I want you to be the best that you can be. I took today's title for this message from a few different Bible verses. One of them is in 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8 that says, do your best. In fact, let's read this highlighted part together. Do your best to improve your faith by adding goodness, understanding, self-control, patience, devotion to God, concern for others, and love. If you keep growing in this way, it will show that what you know about our Lord Jesus Christ, I love this, has made your lives useful and meaningful. It'll show that you don't just know something about Lord Jesus, but what you know about him has made your life useful and meaningful in the faith. So we want to do our best to improve our faith and to show Jesus Christ in our life. Now, one of the metaphors <laughs> that you see in the New Testament uh, for the life of faith uh, is, and for giving your best is that of an athlete. You see sports illustrations in the Bible. The Apostle Paul specifically says there are things that you can learn for your faith from sports. So there are two uh, longer books in the New Testament called Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. And because these were letters written to the church in a city in Greece called Corinth. It's about, uh, I think, 40 miles from Athens. And in that city of Corinth, every two years, 
they would host games called the Isthmian Games. And they were uh, popular, people came from all over Greece, they would do races, they'd do chariot races, they'd have wrestling matches, boxing matches, they'd even have uh, musical competitions, poetry competitions, contests, uh, but they weren't a godly thing, right? In fact, they were dedicated to the mythical god Poseidon. But Paul, in his writing to the Corinthians, as he's correcting the church, teaching the church, sharing the message about Christ, he uses those games and he uses that event as an illustration for following Christ. And so it's where we got the idea of where we take this, this whole kickoff and the big game this weekend and use it to illustrate our excitement for daring faith. So Paul uses this analogy of a serious athlete, the competitive one, not the casual one, but the serious one as an analogy for that's how you ought to be in your faith. That's how you, you ought to live your Christian life. Now, obviously, they didn't have American football in those games. So he compares it to what they had they, to a race and says that you are running in your life. You are running a race and it's not a 50 yard dash. It's a marathon. And as the church, our role is to help one another get across that finish line. So we don't want to get sidelined. We don't want to get sidetracked. We don't want to run off into a ditch. We are to help one another, love one another, support one another, help get one another to that finish line and win the prize. So in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, it says, in a race, everyone runs, meaning everyone, is, everyone who's living is living their life. But only one person gets first prize. So run your race to win. To win the contest, you must deny yourselves many things that would keep you from doing your best. An athlete goes to all this trouble just to win a blue ribbon or a silver cup, but we do it for a heavenly reward that never disappears. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I fight to win. I'm not just shadow boxing or playing around. Like an athlete, I punish my body, treating it roughly, training it to do what it should, not what it wants to. Otherwise, I fear that after enlisting others for the race, I myself might be declared unfit and ordered to stand aside. Meaning I'm, I'd be disqualified for the very race that I'm trying to get other people to run with me. And there he's not talking about like losing your salvation. He's saying you're losing the, the privilege, the opportunity, the heavenly reward, the prize, the opportunity of leading others to Christ. You're basically sidelined in your faith. He, he's saying here, you got to practice what you preach, practice what you believe, practice your faith. And we see here from that scripture three things that an athlete uh, does that we've got to do. Three teachings, illustration of an athlete that we do in our faith. So you might write these down. The first thing we learn from the athlete is this. I must, to win the prize, I must intend to win. If I'm going to win in life, it's got to be intentional. It will not happen by accident. It's not going to happen without some effort. You've heard me say many, many times, no one ever accidentally put God first. It doesn't happen. 
God doesn't just end up number one in your relationship. He doesn't just end up number one in your finances. He doesn't just end up number one in your career, in your family, in your goals. You have to put him there. You have to intentionally decide, God, you are first. No one automatically just grows. You have to intend to do it intentionally, step by step. The difference, this is the difference between being a casual Christian and a committed Christian. Is there a difference between a casual golfer and a competitive golfer? Oh yeah, the competitive golfer takes it seriously. They're playing to win. If you're a casual golfer, you're just excited to be out, on na- out in nature. You know, you're worried about what golf cart you have, the playlist of your music, and what song's going next, and eating hot dogs, and the fellowship, and everything else. A competitive golfer, man, they're looking at the score. They're looking at the lay of the land. They're serious. Is there a difference between a casual hunter and a serious hunter? Yes, there is. And if you're a Someone like me who's ever gone out with a serious hunter, it's like, okay, these two don't mix very well, right? You know? <laughs> so here's the question. How serious are you about being who God made you to be? Like, I kind of like to do it in my spare time. Yeah, if the playlist is good, I'm into it. No, it's not going to happen unless you're intentional about it. Verse 24. Let's read this one together. In a race, everyone runs, but only one person wins the prize. So run your race to win. A number of years ago, a guy in my small group was going to run a marathon at the stadiums. It was put on for a good cause, and you could go up and run, run around Arrowhead, run around Kaufman. And he didn't want to go by himself, so he asked me if I would go with him. So I signed up for the 5K. I I wasn't training to run. I thought, I could probably do that. And uh, we get there and start running. And Casey Wolf was there. And he's trying to encourage people, that are the the runners. And so you go around one corner, and there he is with his four-wheeler and, you know, holding up a sign. And then you run around another corner, and he's bouncing around. He's jumping on a trampoline and, and, you know, jiggling his hips and all this stuff. And then at one point, I'm running... And I look over, and KC Wolf, in his floppy shoes, jiggling his hips, is running past me in the race. (laughs) And I say to whoever the guy is in there, do you think this is encouraging right now? Like, I probably should have trained for this, okay? We should be living our life in a way that we are running to win, God wants us to run the race to win. It takes intentionality. And many people miss God opportunities simply because they're not looking for them. Uh, They don't want it badly enough. They don't want it deeply enough. They're not passionate enough about it to ask, well, what does God want to do? What's the opportunity? What does God want to do with my career? What does God want to do in my finances? What does God want to do in this relationship? And they're missing God opportunities in their life because they don't care enough to look for them and follow them. They, you, but you got to keep your eye on the prize. What, what's the prize? Let's look at this next verse. It's greater reward, greater responsibility in eternity. He says, run your best, there it is again, in the race of faith and win eternal life for yourself. 
For it was to this life that God called you when you firmly professed your faith before many witnesses. This is the place, this is the moment where you decide, I'm going to make a spiritual U-turn. You say, God, uh, I really goofed off in the earlier part of my life, but I want the rest of my life to count for this race. I want to make up for lost time. The Apostle Paul who wrote this spent the first part of his life, he was persecuting Christians, he was opposed to Christ, and he says, if God can redeem me, and if God can get me on the right track, he can do it for anybody. And so you say, I'm not going to be, a, God, I'm not going to be just a casual fan, casual Christian anymore. Say, Lord, I'm serious about this. I want your best for my life. Now, as the clock kicks down on this half, before we get to the halftime report, let me say this. When you come to God and say, God, I want this race that I'm running to count for you. God receives you and he gives you grace. And he says, I can work with you. God looks at your life and says, I created you. I can work with that. And you give him whatever you have, wherever you are. You don't have to work up to God. God meets you where you are. And you just have to make a spiritual U-turn to say, God, I am in with you. And, he, and I want to intentionally follow you. And you have to make the choice to go after it. To win the prize, I must, number one, intend to win. And number two, I must eliminate, <laughs> eliminate distractions. <laughs> I think you'd agree with me that there are endless distractions in life. Amen, somebody? There are endless problems. Problems will never end. The secret to life, just... I mean, will problems ever end? Ask your parents, ask your grandparents, when does this problem come to a close? When does this problem end? And watch them laugh at you, right? So what's the secret of life? The secret to life is to not live for problems. You know, otherwise you end up being an athlete of another kind of sport. You're not running your race in life. You end up playing what I call a cosmic version of whack-a-mole, where a you guys remember whack-a-mole where a problem comes up and you solve that problem and then another problem pops up and I've got to solve this problem this problem came up again I got to solve this problem and before you know it you get to the finish line and all you've done is solve problems and too many people end up living life for their problems you can't make the problems go away but you can you can get something bigger to live for your problem. You can make to where they're not distracting you from your race that you're running. You've got to get something bigger to live for. Verse 25 says, to win the contest, you must deny yourselves many things that would keep you from doing your best. So I run straight to the goal. With purpose in every step, I fight to win. I'm not just shadow boxing or playing around. And this is what many people are, are doing. They're they're air guitaring their Christian life, right? They're, they're pretending. They're just hitting air. And he says, I run straight to the goal. You got to stay focused on the finish line. You need to stay focused on this fact. The friend, everything you see one day is going to be gone. So we shouldn't be investing a whole lot of time, a whole lot of energy, a whole lot of money into things that are going to disappear. 
We should primarily be investing our life in things that are going to last forever. We, that's where we should put the most of our energy. Now, what's going to last forever? Well, love is going to last forever. The word of God is going to last forever. People last forever. The kingdom of God lasts forever. Everything else is not going to last. So you ignore the crowds, ignore the distractions. People either cheer you or jeer you. You ignore them and you keep running your race. You keep your eye on the goal. Don't, no wasted energy. Now, the Bible has a ton to say about things that don't really matter. And the question is, how much of our life are we investing in things that aren't going to matter, what, four or five years from now? Let alone in eternity. How much of our, of our life are we investing in things that are temporary? Hebrews 12.1 tells us to strip off every, everything, anything that slows us down or holds us back. Especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and then trip us up. And let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. So notice this with me. A couple of different things that we're to take off, that we're to strip off here. Is anything that, so yes, we're going to stop the sins, strip off sins. But he goes an extra way and says anything that slows us down. Anything that's holding you back from giving your best to God. Because the goal isn't just to see how close to sin I can get without sinning. The goal is to see how close to the finish line can I get. And just because we're free to do something doesn't mean that it's beneficial to us. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's good for you or good for your testimony. Now, I think we would all agree with this point. Yeah, you got to eliminate distractions. None of us want to be distracted. We want to eliminate distractions. But I would encourage you to get very specific about it. Because in Daring Faith, we're not just going to know that and all agree on it. We're going to do it. And so I would encourage you to get specific today and write something down, a distraction that you can eliminate. What distraction can you eliminate uh, for the next two months during this campaign leading up to Easter? Is, it, is there an hour of television you can cut? Is there a, a specific website or social media uh, thing? Or is there a like a specific news site that you just need to block on your phone for the next couple of months? Is there a topic uh, maybe that you're really into right now that you say, you know what, I just need to give that a break for a little bit and lean into this and lean into my faith? What is it that you need to give up? What distraction? I would, I would challenge you to think about that during this message today and write something down. What do you need to give up in order to have more energy, more creativity, more thought in love and serving God and knowing God and worship and helping one another finish the race? What do you need to give up that would help you be able to sacrifice for your wife? What, do you, what distraction could you give up that would help you respect your husband? What could you give up that would, so you could honor your kids? so that you could obey your parents? What distraction do we need to uh, throw off in the ditch so we don't run off into the ditch? Here's the third thing that I must do to win the prize, is I must discipline myself. 
Now, no athlete becomes productive without discipline, without training. You don't become great by doing what you feel. I've told you before, if you became in shape and uh, from sitting on the couch and eating Cheetos, you'd be looking at the most ripped guy you ever saw, right? You don't become great by living by your moods, by following your feelings. You just, you don't get to make up your own rules. There's no shortcut to maturity. There are no shortcuts to the finish line. God says, he determines where the finish line is and how you get there. In 2 Timothy 2.5, Paul says, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. You don't get to make up the rules as you go. You discipline yourself within the game to win the game. You follow God, you follow his ways. He maps out the course, you follow him. In 1 Corinthians 9, we see this word, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. This is sacrificing what's comfortable to receive the prize. And we all know the stories of, you know, the Olympic athletes who, what they give up in order to compete in the race and to win. I mean, you've seen those stories. It's like they put their whole life on hold, right? I mean, it, just they have a rigid schedule and what they'll eat and not eat and, and who they hang out with. And it, it's, it's as though every decision they're making in their life is filtered through one thought, one decision. Will this help me win that prize? I mean, everything down to minute details. Would this help me win the prize? And that's how they filter the decision. The people playing in the game today, I mean, we're seeing this week stories of just commitment, of things that started one year ago to get them to this spot today. And they make enormous sacrifices to win. The same for us in our life, in our faith. God is not found in our comfort zone. We sacrifice something that's comfortable to receive God's comfort. I'm still working on how to say this or how to say this in a great way. But my my point is that there's a big difference between what's comfortable and God's comfort, isn't there? And I think oftentimes we're kind of wallowing in what's comfortable because we're searching for this comfort. And so we're following our feelings or doing wanting to be comfortable, doing things that try to make us comfortable when all the while real peace of mind Real peace of heart. The comfort from Christ Jesus is outside of our comfortable zone. We have to sacrifice some of that to get to Christ. So are you willing? Are you willing to do without wealth, without popularity, without comfort for the sake of what God wants for us? How would your life be better? When I ask myself this, I just, I cringe. I can't even think about it that long. But how would my life be better if I would have just been a little bit more disciplined early in my life? What are some things I could be enjoying today if I had been more disciplined earlier? And then I've got to, you know, turn it and think about future. Okay, well, how can I discipline myself now then? So that future Ryland isn't asking that question, right? What do I need to start now? What do I need to give up now? How can I discipline myself now for the prize? Now, you might ask, well, I would love to do this. Like, that's why I'm here, but I don't know how. Like, I discipline myself for a season, but it doesn't pan out. That's because you're relying on your own willpower, not God's power. 
Oftentimes we rely on our own ingenuity, our own ideas, our own willpower. And how long will that last? 90 days at the most? I mean, how many of us are still rocking our New Year's resolutions, right? Like we don't need willpower. We need God's power. We need God's strength. And here's how, here's how you get it. And I didn't know if I'd have time for this today, uh, but I'm going to go for it today. I'm going to try for an extra point. Are you with me? I've made some points, but I'm going to go for an extra point. The secret to personal discipline is this. Write this in. I stay focused, not on the past, I stay focused on the reward. Stay focused on the reward. Now, what's the reward for doing right? What's the payoff for doing good? What's the prize for serving Christ? It's just rewards throughout eternity. Now, that's no little ribbon or trophy you're going to get in this life. You've got to remember the result, the payoff, the reward. 1 Corinthians 9.25, an athlete goes to all this trouble just to win a blue ribbon or a silver cup. But we do it for a heavenly reward that never disappears. So you've got to stay focused on the reward. God says that, that, these at, that they're going to, a silver football, a silver cup, a blue ribbon, a gold medal, that's going to disappear one day. It's quite an accomplishment, but it's going to vanish. And the wise move is to use our, our accomplishments, to use our victories, to redeem them for something that's going to last forever in eternity and to make our life count. You've got to stay focused on the reward. The Bible says here in Hebrews 12, we looked at verse 1, here's verse 2. Keep your eyes on Jesus, our leader and instructor, meaning model your life after him. Like you're going to model your life after somebody? Let him lead it. Let him instruct it. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy that he knew would be his afterwards. So how did he get through the cross? He was looking ahead to what he, where he is now, now he sits in a place of honor by the throne of God. Now friend, you can handle, and I look around the room today and so many of you could, I mean, preach this so much better than I could, that you can handle enormous pain in your life and you can handle uh, enormous discipline in your life that you can make it through uh, sacrifices in life if you know there's a purpose behind it. If you know that there's a payoff, that there's a reward on the other side. But when you forget that there is purpose behind it, when you forget that reward, that's when you're tempted to give up and to throw in the towel. And that's why Paul says, run to win in your life. Keep your eye on the prize that imagine imagine yourself in heaven face to face with Christ and he says well done good and faithful servant enter in to the joy of your reward and this is where um, you reverse I love teaching this this is where you reverse the temptation so when you're tempted to give up, what do you do? You start thinking about dwelling on, what would it be like if I gave up? What would it be like if I threw the towel? What would it be like if I didn't do this? What would it feel like? And you start thinking of maybe all the false freedom that you would have or all these different things. And 
Well, what do you do? You reverse that temptation. You start dwelling, well, what would it be like to finish? What would it be like to do the right thing? What would it feel like to obey God? What would it feel like to get to the finish line and hear that, well done, enter into the joy of the, your reward? You reverse the temptation. Instead of temptation, you have inspiration. You say, I want to make it to that. And you focus on the reward. You dwell on the good thing. Let that motivate you. So I want to close today with a passage again from the Apostle Paul. And he's been using this illustration of a race for a while now. And uh, I'm just going to read it deliberately, even slowly, and then we'll go to prayer. Because this is from, this is from uh, one of Paul's last letters and some of his last words before he, uh, before he died. And he says, the time is here for me to leave this life. I have done my best in the race. I have run the full distance and I have kept the faith. And now, there is waiting for me the victory prize of being put right with God, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, but to all those who wait with love for him to appear. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we want to make it to that day. And Lord, we admit that oh, we have not always used our time for things that really matter. and We've wasted energy and creativity and worry and things that were self-centered or just ultimately temporary. They had no redeeming uh, eternal value. God, we want to change that, but we need your help to do that. I want to run my race to win. Would you pray that today? I want to run my race to win. I want to win the prize. And Lord, if that means sacrificing some comfort, so be it. If that involves eliminating a distraction, so be it. God, help me not to be short-term thinking. Help me not to think of only the here and the now, which is not going to last, but to live my life the way you intended me to in light of eternity and to do now what will matter forever. If you've never invited Jesus Christ in your life, if you want to make that spiritual U-turn that I talked about, and begin learning what it means to live for him and following him, Would you do that now? If you have before, would you just pray for the people around you? Maybe the person who's considering believing in Jesus, following in faith. Say, Jesus Christ, come into my life. Save me from my sin. Lord, I want you to know that I, I trust you. I don't understand what all that even means yet, but I want to learn what it means. And I want to learn what it means to love you, to follow you to run the race you committed, you created me for. And I give you myself completely. Lord, I believe in Jesus. I want to fix my eyes on him. He lived the perfect life that I could never live. And he died in my place on the cross 
and he rose from the dead. And I want the new life that he offers. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And the church said, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.